And we welcome you into the Dog Bowl here in Berea, Ohio. I'm Jason Gibbs, alongside Brown Senior Staff Writer Andrew Gribble. Episode 7 of the best podcast available. Making our march, now slow and deliberate, I feel like, Gribbs, uh, as we get ready for the 2020 NFL Draft coming up at the end of April in Las Vegas. Yeah, this is definitely the, the calm before the storm kind of week. We have not had much in terms of free agency activity, trade activity. It's no. kind of a lull between the combine and pro days, which are starting to ramp up. And yeah, I mean, it's just kind of this is the hurry up and wait period. But next week is where it really gets going. Yeah, finally. Yeah, because I feel like we're we are literally spinning our wheels. We're mm-hmm. all sitting and waiting, and it's not just even at a team standpoint. It, it's it's at a national standpoint. You talk to national people, and everybody is just waiting. And now. Um, with deadlines being pushed back regarding the CBA, this is all going to come at one time. And yeah. this is going to be about a 72 to 96 hour sprint uh, to the start of the new year on next Wednesday at four o'clock. And obviously we'll keep you posted on everything that goes on on clevelandbrowns.com and all of our platforms, including Cleveland Browns daily. But uh, all these deadlines getting pushed back, it affects free agency transition tags, franchise tags, everything affects every team, and it ultimately trickles down to the draft level as well. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that's been affected is probably the free agents or the players who are expected to be, who can be free agents starting Wednesday. I feel like this has affected the teams that want to re-sign their guys. And, you know, it's starting with obviously the Patriots and Tom Brady, but usually by this point you've had a lot more players that have linked back up with their former team and I and and as I've been breaking down some of these position groups especially on the offensive line there's been a lot of stories written about certain players like a Brian Bulaga of Green Bay and Anthony Costanzo of Indianapolis where it's like yeah these guys are probably going back it just hasn't happened yet and and so there's just been there really hasn't been a lot of re-signings so that's why you always get a lot of activity those first couple days of legal tampering but now once that CBA whether it passes or not goes through then you're just going to have all this other stuff happening with a lot of potential re-signings on top of new signings yeah i i think teams are either going to cut further to get to get under even more on the new salary cap or they're going to spend money this year knowing full well and it's going to be a lot of short-term deals Mm -hmm. because of the salary cap implications down the road yeah and it's just I don't know if the Browns have a lot of guys that fit into this category of potentially being re-signed. You know, I could see a, a couple of these guys, maybe someone like a like a Justin Burris. Maybe that's someone you can bring back. But it's really just kind of the holding pattern you're in. And it, and it the players don't want to do, re-sign either because, say, the salary cap goes up in a big sure. way be, it, with the new CBA, then they're they're going to want more money. And so there's really no – there's not a ton of incentive for the teams to make deals, and there's not a ton of incentive for the players to agree to deals. So that's why there's just – a whole lot of nothing out there at the moment. Well, and meanwhile, you got you still have to get ready for the draft, and we are in the middle of pro days, and there's a lot going on. There's pro days every day, I feel like, three or four for the next month, and mm-hmm. uh, the list is long, and, and the teams are big. I know on Wednesday of this week, Oklahoma, starting next week, we're going to start seeing some of the bigger schools with offensive linemen that are being projected to us, and those pro days, but... It's business as usual from a draft standpoint, but you still have 
the giant elephant in the room, which is free agency and what your cap is ultimately going to yeah, be. Yeah, and I think as we've talked about with Tom Brady, he's like the one guy with the, the linchpin on all the free agency and everything falls after him. I think with the the draft and how we project things are going to go, I mean, we're going to probably be waiting until early April, and the guy that holds it all together, I think, is Tua Tagovailoa in, in Alabama because I think his status as a top quarterback in this draft is going to affect everything in front of the Browns at number 10. I, I think that if he checks out uh, and, and looks healthy, uh, looks the part of a, of a guy that was in the mix for the Heisman for the last two years, then he could go as high as number two in the draft. And I think that there could be a lot of teams angling to trade up to get him. If he doesn't look good, if he's not medically ready, then you're looking at teams trying to fill other needs, and then that could hurt the Browns in terms of the amount of players that go ahead of him that are not quarterbacks. Well, and what teams love Herbert? What teams – is there a team that loves love? Yeah, oh, <laughs> and, it's just like a team like the Chargers. Maybe they're like, hey – Maybe we're not in love with Love or Herbert. Sure. We'll, we'll pass on a QB this year. But if someone like Atua becomes available to them at number six, maybe they change their philosophy. So there's just a lot that goes into it. They're the, mis- the, the Redskins have done a good job, I think, of conveying <laughs> mystery around yes. their pick, just like they did last year. There was a lot of they, – they, they fooled people into thinking they were going one way and then went the other and, and benefited from it. So they're they're putting out there that maybe they are interested in a quarterback at number two. And that kind of changes the dynamics of what will happen after that. All right. Taking a look at some of the news uh, in Berea this week as it pertains to the NFL draft, as it pertains to free agency. Browns releasing linebacker Christian Kirksey. Uh, Kirko been with the team six years. Uh, you know, obviously got hurt the last two seasons and, and missed a pretty substantial time. And one of the big reasons for his release, obviously, would be those injuries and the injury bugs starting to creep in. But now you take a look at that defense and you've got some holes at linebacker. You have a lot of holes at safety and you need to get some more guys on that defensive line from a rotation standpoint, from an edge rusher side of things. All of a sudden, there's a lot of things that have to happen on this defense in the offseason. Yeah, and this is under the assumption that the reports are right, that, that there may not be much of a chance of bringing Joe Schobert back. Your current Cleveland Browns linebackers right now are Tay Davis, Jermaine Grace, Willie Harvey, Montreal Meander, Sione Takitaki, and Mac Wilson. That's your linebacking core right now. Yeah. Uh, it just it, And most of those guys, Tay Davis is special teams. Jermaine Grace has got a little bit of experience here and there, but he was at it at the end of the year. Willie Harvey was hurt all of last year, uh, was an undrafted free agent last year. Montreal Meander used to play safety. I mean, there's just not a lot there. So this is going to be a position that is going to have to be addressed one way or the other. I think there's one guy in that group that you can maybe believe in and that uh, in terms of day one plugging him in, and that's Mac Wilson because he got sure. the experience last year. The rest of the guys are, even though Taki Taki was a third-round pick, he is a projection right now in what you're going to get from him next year. So there's room to add both – veterans through free agency and through the draft, and I expect the Browns to do both. You know, later on in the show when we take a look at free agency and we'll do a little bit more free agent talk this week uh, because of free agency on the horizon and what it will mean for the Browns in terms of draft time at the end of April. But I have to think it's one of the top three positions now of need on this football team. Yeah, I'd argue it's the number one position of need on this team because even though safety – I just think there's a lot of options at safety out there in free agency where I think they'll be fine. And you, with safety, it, at the most, you're probably only playing two guys on the field and once linebacker, you're probably, you need more of them. I, I just think you need more of the guys on the roster uh, that you could trust. And I also 
just don't think there's a, a lot as many guys out there in free agency as there is at the safety position. So I would say this is probably the number one need on on your entire roster at the moment. Uh, but I think it's something that this organization has probably known was going to be that way going into this because I don't think it was as much as it, it hurts to to lose someone like a Kirksey and Schobert. I'm imagining this was has been planned uh, maybe from the day Andrew Barry got here. I think there's an understanding of knowing that this is what you're dealing with going into next season and, and how they're going to go about addressing it. Just not a ton of big names out there. There's no C.J. Mosley uh, on the market this year at linebacker. There's, it's, But there are, there is areas where you can add depth, and I expect the Browns to do that, but still go into the draft with this being a top position in need. All right, what's the biggest need for this football team that maybe you can't fix in the draft that the priority has to be in free agency? I think safety. Because I think that – at uh, I. Unless you trade back, you're not drafting a safety in the first round. Correct. So maybe you're probably not going to use multiple day two picks on safeties. So at best, you're coming out of this draft with probably one safety that uh, would be someone you could project as maybe a, a guy that's going to play significant snaps for you. Because I, I just can't imagine you, you don't go into a season expecting a day three draft pick to have a significant role starting a, a role on your team. There, those guys emerge, but you can't bank on it. So I think that – with only bringing back Sheldrick Redwine, uh, J.T. Hassel, and, and a Morgan Burnett, who's recovering from Achilles surgery, just going through the draft to address safety is not going to happen. Uh, it's going to have to be addressed in free agency. What about a guy like Eric Murray? We talked a little bit about – you mentioned Justin Burris, but what about a guy like Eric Yeah, Murray? I mean, he's versatile. It's just it's going to be about fit and, and how they evaluate what he did last year, and you only have a half a season worth of, of tape on him, but he was – he was important for this team last year because he could play safety and he could play nickel, and I, so I think he's he's a solid player. It's uh, he's just he doesn't fit the category of for most teams. He's not going to be your day one free agency kind of guy. He's not on any of these lists of the top one hundred guys out there. He's more of that second wave type of player. So maybe there is room to bring someone like him back uh, just from a depth perception. But I liked what the Browns got out of both him and Burris last year. It's just that. I would think it'd be more likely they were coming back if you had the same coaching staff. You got a different coaching staff. That's just the nature of the the of the business where they've got a, they're looking off what they've got on tape from you from last year, and if they think that there's a better option, they can go out and get that option. All right, that's some of the news uh, as it pertains to the Browns and the 2020 NFL Draft, also in free agency. The other obviously big news circulating around the sports world is, is the coronavirus, and as of today. Thursday, <laughs> yeah, the owners' meetings and the NFL draft are a go, but the way that things are getting canceled or becoming a working staff, working credential media only type event, one has to wonder where we will be a month from now or yeah, even a few weeks from now for the owners' meetings. Obviously, the owners' meetings to most fans not important. I mean, it's just a media event with the owners. I mean, I'm imagining those are things that you could handle it's like people have been joking on Twitter. Like now we truly find out if this uh, meeting could have been an email. And I think that's <laughs> so you're you're you can get in a situation where I'm sure they'd love to have these owners in the same room together. But you got to do what's best for for health and, and safety of, of those kind of people. But that's a much smaller event. I mean, the draft in Las Vegas, that's one that fits into the category of the types of events that have been canceled. Uh, so I've seen Las Vegas has already closed some buffets at some of their casinos they're taking steps that that's a city that is at most of the time uh, over 50 percent of the people there are from somewhere else 
So it, it truly wouldn't surprise me at this point. I don't think I don't think you, you can be surprised at this point. For events like South by Southwest, Coachella has been delayed. South by Southwest has been canceled. Those are similarly sized events that have been like like Snap have been canceled. So this is really for the NFL, who's they're they're fortunate that they don't have to decide about games right now. Whereas NBA, NCAA, they're struggling with those decisions right now on whether or not to cancel games. The NFL doesn't have to decide on those right now, but this is their one event that they're going to have to make a big decision on. It's not come to the forefront because I think we've got NBA, NCAA, Masters. Those are before the draft, but it's it's probably going to be something in the, the next few weeks that is going to be talked about. Yeah, it has to be. I mean, you have people making travel arrangements. You have people flying in. You have people coming in from out of town, not just you know associated with the teams, but fans. I mean, I mean, we, this we is saw what it a lo- big fan event. We saw what it looked like in Nashville last year. This is uh, that was as packed. I mean, that's like the exhibit A of what not to do when something like this is happening. Sure. Uh, and I imagine with Las Vegas, with their weather, everything is going to be based around being outside in, in large groups of people. So I, I just it'll be it's just it's just a matter of how this stuff plays out in the rest of, of the country with all these other events getting canceled. And uh, right now, it wouldn't surprise me either way. All right. Before uh, we dive into a little bit more free agency this week which we're going to do on the podcast and I know it's a draft podcast but free agency is such a big deal in terms of how it will impact what this team may or may not do in the draft Uh, we do want to talk a little more draft and the mock drafts all have us taken offensive linemen we talk about every week it's one of the four linemen Mm -hmm. I mean we really haven't seen a whole lot else other than that so Daniel Jeremiah has his top 50 draft prospect rankings so he, he he ranks the top 50 players these guys they're not mock drafts they're not mocked anybody these are overall the top 50 players so we're going to play a little game because it's been a while since i came up with a dumb game congratulations scribs you're a part of this zagura is still on vacation i couldn't bring him in here to do it uh who would you rather have now this is today this is march 12th this is thursday a lot can change, obviously. Pro days haven't happened yet. Silly season hasn't begun. But if the draft were today, who would you rather have? And not even from a Brown standpoint, just from a talent standpoint. Who would you rather have? So, number one, who would you rather have? Chase Young, who's number one uh, on this NFL draft prospect ranking, or Isaiah Simmons, who's number three? I mean, for me, it's no doubt it's Chase Young. I mean, I, I, I'm going with the, the favorite here, and I think that he plays a, a position that is a, if you're ranking importance of positions, I think he plays a higher-ranked position as a top pass rusher. I think that, I think it's just because he's been such a foregone conclusion for so long right now, people have gotten bored about talking about him. He didn't do the combine, so he didn't talk about him there. Uh, and really, uh, he it, it, was, it was decided months ago he's probably not going to be the number one pick because he's not a quarterback, but... I mean, this guy's really good. He dominated games at Ohio State. There was Heisman buzz with him before he missed a couple games uh, because of the NCAA suspension. I think Simmons is really talented and, and really an interesting prospect and someone who has arguably taken up a lot more airspace than Chase Young in these last few weeks because there's so many other teams that could make moves to get him. I just think we've gotten bored of talking about Chase Young, but I just think he's an overall better player. I just think he plays a more important position. Uh, an elite player. It's the no-brainer pick. Same level as Miles Garrett a few years ago. I mean, it's just it's a slam dunk for him. Yeah, you walk up, you turn in the card. Right. Unless someone blows you away with an amazing deal to move up to number two to get a quarterback, you this is this is a no-brainer. Yes. 
All right. Number two, who would you rather have? Now, I've got three options. C.D. Lamb, who's the ninth-ranked wide receiver or ninth-ranked player. Jerry Judy, who's ranked 10th. Or Henry Ruggs, who's ranked 11th. I'm going with tough Jer- one. I'm going with Jerry Judy on this one, just because I, I, it's one of those I've seen this guy with my own eyes, and I think he's almost not gotten enough credit that he maybe deserves. I think it's he he stood out in a loaded Alabama wide receiving core, produced at a high level multiple years, and I don't have the official stats in front of me, but I got to imagine he leads this group in yak. Like he is always the guy that's taking slants and has that kind of game speed where you watch him and all of a sudden he's just running by everyone. I think all three of these guys are good. I think Ruggs is more of that burner type where you're like, uh, is this going to be like another John Ross situation? But I think I, I don't think you can go wrong with either Lamb or Judy. And I, I just personally have a, a stronger preference toward Judy because I think he's done it in a, an offense that has produced a lot of big time wide receivers, but they had a lot of guys around him. Uh, and he still emerged as the best guy there. All right, you covered Alabama uh, before coming here to the Browns. Yes. Does it amaze you with all the talent that that program produces that some of the best is at wide receiver, and a lot of times you don't hear about these guys until they get to the NFL? Yeah, it's it's interesting because so, so basically with Alabama, everything changed for them with Julio Jones. He was the first – major wide receiver at a program with an offense that was relatively conservative. And even when Amari Cooper was there, it was still a relatively conservative offense where Saban did not adjust his game to kind of the wide open spread concepts. He slowly adjusted that. Also, they never had great, they had good quarterbacks, guys that won national titles, but not like elite level to attack of Aloha quarterbacks. But now you're seeing a bunch of these guys go there uh, and I, I think the success of Julio Jones paved the way for them to start getting bigger time wide receivers. Amari Cooper was kind of the next in line behind Julio Jones. And now this is the first time really ever they've had all, all sorts of guys producing at this high of a level because the offense has just changed so much. All right. Again, Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 NFL draft prospect rankings uh, out earlier this week. Who would you rather have? Defensive tackle Derek Brown, who's really quietly worked his way up as maybe the second or third best defensive player in this draft, depending on a team of need and what you need exactly. Or Jeff Okuda, the corner out of Ohio State, who comes in ranked fifth on his list. Uh, I'm, I'm leaning with the pedigree and the track record here with the Ohio State cornerback machine. It's just, <laughs> it's just so good. And it just, it, it's, it's one of those things that we've just experienced firsthand. It's like, a lot changes when you have just a really good option at that number one cornerback position. It changes; it can change your defense just like having a guy locked in as a top left tackle, a top pass rusher, and when you miss that guy, you realize what you're missing out on. And I think Okuda is, is similar ranked, if not better ranked, than a lot of these other successful Ohio State cornerbacks. I'm, I know that's, that's not how you're supposed to evaluate prospects, but that's, that's how I pick my guys. I, I think that Okuda is just one of those guys you can just plug in not worry about him, and, and you're set for a while. So here's my big question. When you take a look at offensive line, we talk tackles. We, we say, well, the guard position isn't something you take in the top ten. Is that becoming the same with defensive tackles that you can't – we talk about edge rushers, and we talk about impact guys coming off the, the ends, whether it's the right side, whether it's the left side, linebackers that can do that defensive tackle up the middle i i feel like the middle guys are getting no love 
Yeah. And should that be the case? Oh, I know. I mean, I, I, I think it's a, it's, it's a position that's grown in importance, especially with how quick often offenses are getting the ball out. I think that it's, it's Aaron Donald and others have shown the importance of getting pressure up the middle. I think Derek Brown's really good. And I think that he's going to go in the top 10. We need him to go. In yeah. The top I think, 10. I just think he, <laughs> that it's one of those things where I think they're both really good prospects. I'm just taking the guy at corner who I think is so much better than some of these other guys where I don't know how much better Brown is than a Javon Kinlaw and some other guys like that. All right. Who would you rather have? We move to the running backs. DeAndre Swift, who is 16th in these rankings, or J.K. Dobbins, who he's got ranked 40th. Yeah, if I'm going under the assumption that I'm getting a better value with Dobbins, if he's going to fall farther, I'm going to take Dobbins. I, I think that. Yeah, I feel like uh, this is a no-brainer. I think that if 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 you're if you have to take Swift way higher than Dobbins, then uh, uh, then I think that Dobbins is just the better value for you. I got to be honest with the Browns' running back situation. This is a position that I've not evaluated <laughs> as much as as some of the others. It's the one position the Browns are pretty solid at right now, and I, I just think that. If the, the if you can get a talented player later at running back, you do it. And I, I, I think that there's some elite examples on even like an Ezekiel Elliott worth the high pick. Todd Gurley was probably worth the high pick. I just think with these two, uh, the better value is to, to take the guy that's going to fall a little are, bit more. Are you surprised his rankings are 40th for Dobbins? I mean, he's got Jonathan Taylor 35th too. Yeah, I, I wonder what's the is the reasoning just because of was the injury something that, that they worry about or is that's who I don't know. I, I just think that yeah, I, I think I think all these guys are going to be solid. I don't know. I didn't watch enough of DeAndre Swift to think that he's going to be someone that's a game changer in the NFL. Granted, I didn't think Alvin Kamara would be a game changer when he came out as a third round prospect, but I just look at this the, that those two guys. If I'm deciding between taking DeAndre Swift in the first round or J.K. Dobbins in the second round, I'm taking J.K. Dobbins in the second round. All right, who would you rather have, Joe Burrow, who's number two on this list, or a 100% healthy Tua Tagovailoa? Still can't say. I'm, I'm taking Week seven of this. I, I'm taking Joe Burrow in this situation because even if Tua gets to be 100% healthy. I don't know if there's a guarantee he's going to stay 100% healthy. I think when you've had significant injuries in basically the the two most important years of your career, I just I worry about the the bumps and bruises compiling on you. I mean, we we've talked with obviously apples and oranges comparison, but we've talked to Joe Thomas who whose career ended on one injury, but it was the accumulation of all of them that really wore him down and made it tough to recover from that last injury. I just I worry about that aspect of it, and I just think that even though I think Tua might have some better tools, some maybe some some better accuracy, things like that, I I just I go with the guy who had the most special season in, in a decade, and I don't think I don't think twice even about though it. it was just I one feel, season. I don't feel bad about it. No, because I think he was I think he was solid the previous year, not great, but I think that they just they figured out what worked there and got it working. I I think both are special talents. I'm going to go with the guy that I can bank on being healthy. I just think that's so so important with the quarterback position. All right. Again, if the draft were to happen today, offensive line. Yeah, Becton at six. Wills ranked 12th. Werfs is ranked 13th. Andrew Thomas, 17th. Again, it's awful early. There's a lot still to come. We still have pro days. We still have guys coming into the building for interviews, and we know how important that is and how big yeah. a role that's played in who we've drafted over the last couple of years. It, 
we don't we're not we're I'm in for all f- any of the four. I know you are too, I believe. But if you had to take one, who would you take? I think uh, I'm leaning Wills with this pick right now because I trust our guy Dane, and I trust the fact that most people believe this guy has the best overall skills at what he showed at his position. I'm nervous about the projection of moving him to left tackle when he hasn't done it, but I I, I just feel based on hearing from Dane and then hearing from guys like Joe Thomas and, and Greco who worry about Tristan Wirfs, worry about his long-term future as a tackle. That's why I put Wills first, Wirfs second, Thomas third, Becton fourth. And I feel like I'm going against the grain with my Becton prediction. I I go in worrying. I think they're all great, and if any yeah. of them are are on the board, you Correct. go grab them. I I worry about the having to get a guy in and start telling him to lose weight. I I that's the thing that that holds me back. With with him, I think he's a freakish athlete. Those are the things that if I'm picking nits here with with these guys, I want a guy that I feel like is the most plug and play at either of the left tackle or right tackle spots, and I think Wills is the guy that I can plug in and worry the least about, and that's what I'm looking for. Well, uh, on April 23rd, you have to draft one of these four probably. Yeah. And that f- a week one, they they better be in the starting role. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and if you – and You can't play games or develop here. And if most people think you're going to have to trade up to get back, then I'm not interested. I definitely am not interested in trading up to get one of these guys because I think all four are all right, are good enough to – to help what you want now the football side here might have a different evaluation on who fits the scheme better i don't think we have enough advanced knowledge on on that just yet uh it could be none of these guys it could be a josh jones or an austin jackson or someone else an ezra cleveland uh but from what we know about these guys so far i i think wills is the guy that all i'm i'm all about just give me the least amount of stress i think jedrick wills gives you the least amount of stress all right Low game time, Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 NFL draft prospect rankings, 3.0. Be sure to check those out at NFL.com. That's a little draft talk. Time now for a little free agency talk and a little free agency preview because when we join you one week from now on March 19th, the landscape's going to look a little different around the National Football League. We think. I mean – I, I don't think there's going to be any more delays, but who knows? I mean, I think the Browns are in a position now that there's there's little the, the roster is going to look different in, in a week or so from now. Whether it's different in terms of a couple of big free agents, uh, a multitude of guys that can help you out at a variety of spots, I just think you're in a position now where you have areas to address in a lot of different spots. And like we always used to hear, you don't want to go into the draft thinking you have to get this certain position. So this is where you cover your bases a little bit and then go into the draft being able to draft the guys who you just believe are the best overall players. All right, what can slash should we expect when free agency begins next week when it comes to the Browns and how active they might be? I mean, a year ago it was a little bit different story. This year it'll be interesting to see – how active we are in those first 48 yeah, to 72 hours. Yeah, I just hours. with the looming extensions on some of your core players, I just have a hard time believing that this is going to be a team that breaks the bank because I think there's just enough knowledge out there that shows that free agency is fool's gold. Is that you sign these guys and a lot of time sometimes you get a JC Treader who proves to be worth every single dollar you spent. Other times you get a Kenny Britt. You know, I mean there's just there's this different and and a lot more times you're going to end up with the buyer's remorse in free agency than you are with feeling good about what you did what you did in that department so I would I would just expect 
finding maybe it's a it's a larger quantity of guys to help fill needs, but maybe not some of the high profile names out there. There really aren't a ton of high profile names outside the quarterbacks in this year's class, but the the highest profile names that I could maybe see the Browns having an interest in are the two that play positions and needs. That's an Anthony Harris, uh, the Viking safety, who's going to receive a big payday, and a Jack Conklin. Those are your two biggest names. I would imagine the Browns have to or would at least poke around with those guys. Would it surprise me if they got one? No. Would it surprise me if they got both? Yes. Would it surprise me if they got none? No, it would not surprise me. So, But I, I think that safety tackle, they will be addressed in free agency. Whether or not it's it's big names or names you know, that, that remains to be seen at this point. All right, what are the three biggest needs? If you had to say, I mean, I think we both have the same, but I, I'm interested to know that this team can immediately dress, address in free agency. What are the three biggest? I think through free agency, the needs that you're going to be able to address are safety, uh, potentially tackle, because I think there's a, some guys out there, maybe not players that you think are going to be long-term options, but, but guys that, that can that can fill some holes. And I, I would guess linebacker. I think that's somewhere you can add some, at least get some bodies at those positions. Whether or not it remains, whether or not you're you're filling those holes long-term, that's probably not going to happen in free agency. The, the one that I struggle with is is a need on this team is tight end. I just don't know if you're going to be able to fully satisfy it in, in free agency because the top options are going to be expensive, and then the rest are just guys that might be filling in some holes for you. Sure. No, so, that's I, – I could see them making a splash with one player and then getting guys – you know, they tier free agents. You see you have that first tier – and then maybe like a tier two or a tier three that, right. that that they're going to invest a little bit more in those guys. Yeah, I've I've seen someone bring this up. At, at the name is CHM on Twitter, but there's like the the philosophy that a team like the Buffalo Bills did a, a couple of years ago, where they're just adding guys that aren't these big names, but they're filling needs on what they do on offense. Like a a player like a John Brown, sure, wasn't a big name coming out of Arizona because of injuries. He fits what they needed to do do well, and he thrived in Buffalo. So there's. There's just guys that you have to be selective in getting, whether or not they're big names remains to be seen. Like like a signing like last year, before the injury, I would say it was safe to say the Morgan Burnett signing was not a big name signing, but it was one that worked out and made sense for your team. Sure. Here. Burnett played well, played better than he played for the Steelers, was a veteran in the locker room. He gave you what you needed. So it's it's signings like that that I could see this team making a lot without – going out and breaking the bank and having this massive offseason and leaving yourself in a tough position to to really start working on extensions with some of your bigger names. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that being said, is there do you see a guy when you look down the list of free agents that could be that that this year's Morgan Burnett? So I, there's a couple. I I and they both play safety. And I would say a Jimmy Ward from San Francisco has knowledge of of obviously worked closely with Joe Woods. Uh, he's a, he's in the middle of his career, about a six-year guy. Last year was the healthiest he's ever been, so that's going to maybe hurt his value in that he has not been consistently healthy, but he's someone you could probably get at a decent price that could help fill a, a multiple needs in comfort within your defense. I also really like HaHa Clinton Dix from the Bears. He's been, he's been an every-game starter every year he's been in the NFL. He plays that deep safety. Played some big games in Green Bay. Right. He's he's got playoff experience. He's a veteran. I I think he could help this team a lot and not cost a, a ton of money. The, the the tackle you hear about a lot 
that might be able to help you depth wise is is a hello halapati vitae from the eagles he he's got about 20 career starts over four seasons uh they obviously the eagles had lane johnson and jason peters hard to crack that rotation but when they needed him in during their super bowl run he played just fine uh for 10 games during that season and helped them uh, along the way to the super bowl he's going to be someone who based on experience is probably going to get paid more than what you would expect uh, because he's young, he's improving. Uh, I would honestly, he's almost he would probably be the Chris Hubbard of this year's free agent class, where Hubbard was mostly a bench guy, filled sure. in nicely as a starter, and, and got paid like a starting offensive tackle because those guys get paid. And he is he is so much younger than the majority of the tackles on the market right now. They're the that's the that's the theme of the tackle market is they're all really old, and and the ones that are younger obviously haven't proven themselves yet, or they have already resigned with their teams. All right, let's take a look around the AFC North. I mean, we, we could talk about the, the big stories are Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers and where all the quarterbacks are going to go, but wanted to stay in the AFC North because everybody's talking about the bigger picture stuff. But let, let's talk about the teams that we're going to have to see and see quite frequently. Everybody has some big decisions to make, especially in Baltimore and in Pittsburgh. Let's start, first of all, with the Ravens. Uh, Marshall Yonda retiring. That's a big hole that they're going to have to fill. Matthew Judon, wh- what are they going to do with him? Are they going to franchise? All signs point to that they might, but they don't have a lot of cap room. Yeah, and the AFC North, I've done a few free agency roundups over the last few years. The theme of the AFC North is not a lot of activity in free agency. None of these teams really are. And I think the, the Ravens have been notorious with this. They are like the comp pick national champions. They always get compensatory picks because – they, let, they can let their guys walk. They can let a C.J. Mosley walk because they have a system in place where they are able to fill these kind of holes. Now, last year it was almost a little uncharacteristic of them, but they fit, filled some knees with some big-name guys in free agency. But even then, they did it without breaking the bank. I think they brought in an Earl Thomas and a Mark Ingram who Earl Thomas may not – his best football is probably behind him, but he was kind of a culture changer for that team. Mark Ingram, I think, was a huge signing huge. for them. It changed everything what they did on offense because – you couldn't load up the box with safeties because he's he'll run those safeties over, and then that opened up things for Lamar Jackson. I thought when they he was out, they they struggled a little bit when he was not fully healthy. So the Ravens can do that, but I I think the overall this is a this is a division that has been so successful with the Ravens and Steelers because they've built through the draft, built through their systems, and only used free agency when they've absolutely had to. And the Bengals, I mean, they're the Bengals. They, they're not they're not a team that's been the most active in free agency, and I, I still wouldn't expect them to, to be that this year. Yeah, I think if you take a look at Cincinnati, it, it, it sounds like they're going to franchise A.J. Green because Joe Burrow would like them to. That one still puzzles me. <laughs> I, I guess I just like – I, 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 I respect A.J. Green, great player. I just I, I just wonder where that decision I, – I don't get it. I, I guess I think it just – and they have he's some an, talent at wide receiver. Right. I, I, I just wonder what I, – I, I obviously know he's important to the culture of that team, but he's been hurt the last few years, and he's a wide receiver near the end of his career. He's going to cost a lot of money, even on the franchise tag. But I know they wouldn't want to make a long-term commitment to him. If they can afford it, so be it. But I just – I don't know if I, – I more don't understand why A.J. Green would be frustrated by that because I just don't see him getting that kind of money no. on the open market. No. I just don't see that happening. So – uh It'll, it will obviously a healthy AJ Green will help out Joe Burrow, and I guess that's what they're banking on. Yeah, and, and then you got to find out if you're going to keep Andy Dalton. Does Andy Dalton want to stick around? 
What's the market for Andy Dalton with all the other quarterbacks, both in the draft and already in free agency? What can you get for him? Who's going to want that salary? I'm on Andy Dalton Island, where I think he is a starting quarterback. I think he is a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think – well, not – I think he's obviously worn out his welcome in in Cincinnati. Sometimes it gets a little stale. It's gotten stale. I still think he is a good enough quarterback to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Like, if for some reason, if Tom Brady does not go back to the Patriots and the Patriots go after Andy Dalton, I think they will still be a playoff team. I think he is solid. He's not great. I think if he goes to Chicago, Mitch Trubisky would have a hard time beating him out in a quarterback competition. That's just where I'm at with Andy Dalton. Is he a top 20 quarterback? No. Is he maybe outside? Is he in the top 25? Yes. And I think that makes him good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. All right. Taking a look at Pittsburgh. Bud Dupree, what they do with him, they have they have very limited cap space. Yeah, do they really want to make a franchise offer to Bud Dupree? It doesn't appear that they want to. I've seen some stories here this week that have them maybe shopping for a quarterback. Maybe even I, I saw a story about Jameis Winston and them having an interest in Jameis. Wow, I don't know what that would cost. I can't imagine they've got the money or the, the you know the the cap space to make a run at a guy like that, but. I, I, who knows what I mean, the market's going to bear. It, it would make sense for them to go after quarterback because after what they went through last year, even though they limped their way almost to the playoffs with uh, just they're a really bad set of situations for them, you can't feel good about either of those backups no. after what you saw out of them. And you also can't feel great about the long-term health of your quarterback who just had a serious elbow injury. So you've got to have some kind of insurance because the Steelers expect to be a 10-win team in the playoffs every year. And when they fall short of that, that's a failure. And so they're, they're, they need to have a better backup plan. And I think they'll be able to get it, whether it's like a – could they be a, a team that gets a Marcus Mariota? Could they get a Case Keenum? Sure. I mean, that would – I think they'd feel a lot better about their backup situation with one of those. Then, obviously, Duck Hodges had some magic, but you were really limited in what you could do offensively. And Mason Rudolph, I just don't think, was very good. Yeah, I don't remember the last time the Steelers probably felt good about their backup QB situation. Obviously, no. they had Big Ben, though. So, Was Tommy Maddox a backup quarterback? At one point, yes. He was all right. That yeah. was way back when. That, that, but that just shows you how yeah. long it's been and how durable Big Ben really has been and how much he has meant to that franchise. The one guy on Pittsburgh that I think bears watching is Vance McDonald. At the yeah. tight end. You mentioned the Browns and needing a tight end. Could he be a guy? He looks like all signs out of Pittsburgh say he's going to be a cap casualty and he's going to be allowed to leave via free agency. Is that a guy the Browns could target? I'd like him because he's bigger. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of tight end you need on this team. I would have no problem bringing him in here. I think that he's solid. He's he's not going to be like a, a big-time fantasy tight end type guy for you, but that's not. I don't think that's what this team needs. You need guys that can block and guys that can make plays in the red zone. And I think I think a, a guy like Vance McDonald kind of fits both of those, and you'd feel much better about him producing in 2020 than you would with any of these guys in the draft. All right. So that's a look around the AFC North. Again, a lot to happen over the next seven to eight days. We'll be back with you next Thursday, March 12th. The landscape will look very different, especially when it comes to the Cleveland Browns roster. Do you have a bold prediction? I had it down on the rundown. One bold prediction as it pertains to free agency. It can be Browns-related, can be NFL-related, that one week from now when we're back, something will have or have not happened. 
I, I, my bold prediction with the Browns, because who cares about my opinions about the NFL? But my prediction with the Browns is that this team addresses needs via trade, maybe as much as they do in free agency. I think that's the pedigree that Andrew Barry has grown, grown up, uh, grown in the NFL around, whether it be John Dorsey or Howie Roseman. I think that there's not been enough talk about how this team can get better through trades, just because there haven't been any trades happening in the NFL right now. Those can still very much happen. I expect some maybe hammer away at some of those positions of need with and when you do it with trades you're doing it with names that we're not talking about so those I, I imagine that there will be a couple players on this roster who have not been discussed because there is the ability to go get them through trades I will tell you that one week from now Tom Brady still will not have a team and that could leave us all in limbo still as it pertains to NFL free agency from a big picture standpoint I would not be surprised if he, if this drags out and and comes closer to April than the deadline, which is March 11th at four o'clock, hate to see it for the Patriots. Hanging, yeah. hanging in limbo. Yeah, yeah. I think March can, 18th. I should. say. I think Sorry. they can deal with it though. They'll yeah. be fine. Uh, one way or the other. Yeah. You know, Mr. Kraft can just polish up his Super Bowl trophies, and yeah. the sun will still come up tomorrow. All right. If you like this podcast, you want to hear more of them, if you want to go back and listen to our draft podcast with Dane Brugler, Ryan Wilson from CBS, who joined us last week, Kevin Stefanski, who's joined us. We're seven episodes in, eight more to go here uh, on the best podcast available draft edition. You can log on to clevelandbrowns.com or wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe and like today, the best podcast available. Want to thank Jeff McDaniel for all his help for Andrew Gribble. I'm Jason Gibbs. We're back with you next Thursday. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.